Hello, and welcome to the Lancet Podcast. I'm Jocelyn Clark, and today, October 11th, we're talking about the Lancet's new series on optimizing cesarean section use. Today, I have with me the series lead and one of the series authors, and I'll have them introduce themselves. Marlene Zimmerman, I'm a professor of obstetrics and gynecology working at the Aga Khan University in Nairobi, Kenya. My name is Ana Pilar Betran, and I'm a medical officer at the World Health Organization working on maternal and prenatal health. We're really excited to be publishing our first series ever on optimizing cesarean section use today. Globally, the number of babies born through cesarean section has almost doubled in the last 15 years, now to about 21% of all births. This major rise in cesarean sections around the world is called unprecedented and unjustified in this new series. When medically indicated, such as in the cases of hypertensive disease, fetal distress, or abnormal positioning, Cesarean sections save the lives of women and babies. Underuse, due to lack of access to C-section, clearly exists in some areas, and that's associated with maternal and perinatal harm. But overuse and its implications are now growing concern as this three-part series lays out. The series shows that while the global rate has doubled to about 21% and increasing annually by 4%, there's wide variation between regions and countries. While in Southern Africa, use of cesarean section is less than 5%, the rate is almost 60% in some parts of Latin America, including in Brazil, where we will launch the Lancet series at FIGO, the International Confederation of Gynecology and Obstetrics Conference, October 18th. Of the 6.2 million unnecessary cesareans done every year, half are in Brazil and China. So Marlene, let me ask you this. Why is there such a problem with the current rates of C-section? And please explain to us this contrasting situation of both underuse and overuse occurring simultaneously. Thanks, uh, Jocelyn. As you have explained already, the global rise in cesarean sections we know that C-section is a, a life-saving operation, and over the last 100 years, it became more and more safe to do a cesarean section. But that doesn't mean that we have to use it without medical indication, and that's what we are uh, focusing at here in the Lancet series. So what we see between over the years, there is a rise globally, but there are huge discrepancies within and between countries. So there are settings, mainly in the urban, the private uh, setting in a country like Kenya, where I live, where we're doing too many cesarean sections. And then in the north, in the rural areas, we don't do enough to save women's lives. So how do we come to this kind of discrepancy? I think mainly because of the overuse of a perceived very safe operation, and I want to stress again, it is safe, but that doesn't mean that there are no complications. So we should not use it all the time. And what we are seeing that now there is an increasing request physicians, gynecologists, because they are the ones holding the knife, but also hospital administrators, also the family, communities, more the women agencies who really claim that they want to do a, a, to have their childbirth done by an elective cesarean section. Anna, I mean, I think we're mostly talking about overuse of medically unnecessary um, cesarean sections. Can you tell us a little bit more about the drivers, the reasons for why there's a rise of cesarean sections that are not medically indicated? Definitely the, the increase 
in cesarean sections has multiple drivers, and these include clinical and non-clinical. We've reached to a point now in which we are realizing that actually the non-clinical factors are an increasingly share of this race, and therefore it's it's important and it's necessary to consider these non-clinical factors if we are going to revert this trend. And when I mention non-clinical factors, I mean the fear of pain, women fear pain, the fear on the part of the uh, legal of the um, professionals, the fear of the legal malpractice lawsuits, misconceptions about risks, or even the convenience. These non-clinical factors are more and more important and uh, they need to be considered seriously worldwide. One thing this series does so well, it lays out the global epidemiology and really surfaces a lot of new insight into these disparities, but also both short and long-term risks associated with C-sections for both the mother and child. But the other piece are some of these drivers and some of the new interventions that might be available to try to create change. Marlene, can you talk to us a little bit about what some of the anticipated barriers might be to reducing cesarean section use when it's not medically indicated? A lot of interventions have already been tried to reduce the unnecessary cesarean sections with success or less successful. I think we have to act as a kind of a global community and first of all take away, as Anna was saying, Anna Pilar, the fear and the misinformation. A lot of women just want a cesarean section because of fear of pain. In that case, we should explain very clearly and carefully that there are alternatives to relieve the pain during uh, delivery. There are other perceptions of, uh, you know, cultural, societal, in a lot of societies, the higher class women think that it's, uh, you know, there is a perception that when you can afford, you go to a private uh, physician and then you have your cesarean section on an very often women don't realize that this can also have negative effects for themselves, for their own health, and for the health of the baby. Having said that, it is actually for the physicians, for the gynecologists. Anna Pilar mentioned fear of litigation, which is correct. So it's like if we do a cesarean section, it's like we are doing everything what we can do to avoid a negative obstetrical outcome. And it requires more, sometimes, more time, more supervision for a normal labor that can take longer and that can, of course, go with some fetal distress. So we have to give education, creation of awareness. But I also think that a very important way forward is working together with maternity-shared midwives and a doctors-shared model, where a normal delivery is actually supervised by midwives, where we also allow um, women to come with their birth companions, so where we give actually a lot of freedom to women to, to determine how they are going to deliver, but where the gynecologist is always available in case something goes wrong, in case you need an urgent intervention. That's a very interesting kind of model that surfaces in the in the series papers, this sort of shared model of care between obstetricians and others, including including midwives. Marlene, what do you say to I suppose, critics or, or advocates who say that women should have 
the agency and the right to choose the circumstances of, of their birth. So all other um, things being said with greater education and, and greater support around managing fear and anxiety and the unknowns of giving birth. What about the situation where women elect to have a C-section despite all of the available information being given to them? Thanks, Jocelyn. That's a difficult one indeed, because the women agency, a lot of women do come to our uh, hospitals and they say, you know, I have the right to decide how I will deliver my, my baby. And I can understand, but very often that right is based on not, I mean, on lack of information and lack also of understanding that a cesarean section is still an operation. It is still surgery with minor or major complications for the mother and for the baby. And we see in general that women who had a cesarean section that, for example, the next pregnancy, they are at a higher risk because they have already a scar. Also, the problems after a cesarean section physically can be take more time to get better. For the baby, there is also more and more evidence that there can be some short and long-term consequences for the baby. But even if you give all this information, some women will still say, I have the right to decide how I will deliver. I had a, a, a woman here last week at clinic, and when we really asked about in detail what her motivations were, then she said, well, it's actually my husband who is suggesting that I would go for a cesarean section, then there is nothing wrong down there. So there are many factors that play a role. Coming back to your question, do we have the duty, if you say the woman has the right, that means that the gynecologist has the obligation to do an intervention without a medical indication. And that is, we have to balance, I think, that requires discussion between all these communities that are in the space, the doctors, the patients, the women, the family, the healthcare providers in general, the society. If you ask me, if you demand your cesarean section without any medical reason, and do I have the right to refuse? Of course, you can say yes, then you go to another physician, and many of our colleagues maybe are willing to do that. So we have to balance these rights, but mainly think of who is at stake here. Is the health of the woman and of the child. And there is evidence that we need more access to quality of childbirth care in those areas where women and children are dying because of not having access to a cesarean section. But on the other hand, just doing cesarean section, I know that there are colleagues who are claiming, who are kind of advocating for a 100% C-section rate. But that will lead to problems for the mom and the baby. Going to you, Anna, what changes are you hoping to bring about with this series? What are you hoping might come of this? And, and how would we define success of this Lancet series? When we look at underuse, in the underuse side, we see that there is global consensus about the need to increase the use of cesarean section where the procedure is insufficiently used. We are also fully aware that this would prevent many deaths and serious complications in mothers and babies. And we also know what factors are linked to the underuse. That doesn't mean that they are not difficult to overcome, but we know them, we recognize them, and they are studied. But this actually is not the case for the overuse of the procedure. This is a much relatively newer phenomenon than underuse. 
So we, we are hoping that uh, with this series we can raise global awareness of the unprecedented and sustained, as you said it before, the unprecedented and sustained increase in the use of cesarean section and also the health effects that this increase may inflict in mothers and, and babies. We would like to draw attention to the growing significance, of we, as we have um, already mentioned, of non-clinical factors in this increase and the crucial need to consider these factors in any intervention designed to revert the trend. And lastly, we, we are hoping to provide impetus at country level to deal with this complex challenge to stimulate the interest in understanding, particularly at country level, the local drivers in addressing women's and health professionals' concerns, which actually have led to the situation. And then if we ask how will we define success, I think if there is any concrete actions and considerations by governments or professional associations to design policies to address the condition that led to the overuse, I think that would be an important sign of success as well as increased research on innovative interventions involving all stakeholders or increased resources invested in understanding at local level, at country level, where are the specific underlying factors in each setting. Our hope is with the Lancet series and with the launch in Brazil that we can really come to a discussion where all, all the stakeholders are involved. And I hope that we will have also some women agency advocates who are advocating for normal pregnancy and delivery. Because a pregnancy and a delivery is a normal fact in life. But when it goes wrong, it can go wrong seriously. We as a healthcare community, we should also only intervene when we can do better than nature. And that is the art, I think, of obstetrics. We should not lose that and just take the knife for every delivery because that is medicalizing a normal process. And that, as such, can also lead to complications for women and children. We see that there is a higher maternal mortality in uh, women who have had um, uh, several cesarean sections because of bleeding, because of complications in the next pregnancy. So we have to be aware of that. And there are many lessons learned from countries like Scandinavian countries who keep their cesarean section rate very low with a very good health outcome for the mother and for the baby. They take away the financial incentives, they take away, they have a different model of shared care and they allow women to bring in companions. So it's a different approach and they have shown that they can indeed keep it low. Other countries have shown that they can reduce without any negative impact for the mom and the baby on the contrary. Well, thank you very much both for spending time with us on the Lancet podcast, and we're grateful to you for developing such an outstanding series. We look forward to the launch on October 18th in Brazil, and we hope that the series really does spark more debate and research about how to implement the recommendations to reduce cesarean section use. Thank you both. Thank you very much.